Close Horse is brought to you with support from the following sustainable brands. Selena Sanders, a social impact brand that specializes in upcycle clothing using only reclaimed vintage or thrifted materials from tea towels, linens, blankets, and quilts. Sustainably crafted in Los Angeles, each piece is designed to last in one's closet for generations to come. Maximum style, minimal carbon footprint. Picnic wear, a slow fashion brand made by hand in New York City from vintage and dead stock textiles. Picnic wear strives for minimal waste, but maximum authenticity. Future vintage over future garbage. Find Picnic wear on Instagram at Picnic wear, and that's wear, W-E-A-R, and at www.picnicwear.com. No flight back vintage, bringing fun new life to old things always using recycled and secondhand materials to make dope-ass shit for dope-ass people. See more on Instagram at NoFlightBackVintage. Shift clothing out of beautiful Astoria, Oregon, with a focus on natural fibers, simple hardworking designs, and putting fat people first. Discover more at shiftwheeler.com. Late to the party, creating one-of-a-kind statement clothing from vintage, salvaged, and thrifted textiles. They hope to tap into the dreamy memories we all hold. Floral curtains, a childhood dress, the wallpaper in your best friend's rec room. All while creating modern, sustainable garments that you'll love wearing and have for years to come. Late to the party is passionate about celebrating and preserving textiles, the memories they hold, and the stories they have yet to tell. Check them out on Instagram at Late to the Party People. Vino Vintage, based just outside of LA. We love the hunt of shopping secondhand because you never know what you might find. Catch us at flea markets around Southern California by following us on Instagram at vino.vintage so you don't miss our next event. Gabriella Antonis is a visual artist and an ethical trade fashion designer. But Gabriella is also a radical feminist micro-business. She's the one-woman band trying to help you understand why slow fashion is what the earth needs. The one-woman band to help you build your own brand. She can take your fashion line from just a concept and do your sketches, pattern making, grading, sourcing, cutting, and sewing. The second option is for those who aren't trying to start a business and who just want ethical garments. Gabriella Antonis will create custom made-to-measure garments just for you. Her goal is to help help one person of any size at a time, including beyond size 40. To inquire about this serendipitous intersectional offering of either concept, DM her on Instagram to book a consultation. Please follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Gabriella Antonis. And that's Gabriella with one L. Gotta get that spelling right. Dylan Page is an online clothing and lifestyle brand based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our products are chosen with intention for the conscious community. Everything we carry is animal-friendly, ethically made, sustainably sourced, and cruelty-free. Dylan Page is for those who never stop questioning where something comes from. We know that personal experience dictates what's sustainable for you, and we are here to help guide and support you to make choices that fit your needs. Check us out at dylanpage.com and find us on Instagram at dylanpagelifeandstyle. Salt Hats, purveyors of truly sustainable hats, hand-blocked, sewn, and embellished in Detroit, Michigan. Find us on Instagram at Salt Hats. Karen Kinney Studio. Located in western Massachusetts, Karen specializes in handcrafted earrings from found, upcycled, and repurposed fabrics, as well as other eco-friendly curios. 
all with a hint of nostalgia, a dollop of whimsy, a dash of color, and 100% fun. Karen is an artist slash designer who believes the materials we use matter. See more on Instagram at Karen Kinney Studio or online at www.cKinney.com. Gentle Vibes Vintage. We are purveyors of polyester and psychedelic relics. We encourage experimentation and play not only in your wardrobe, but in your home too. We have thousands of killer vintage pieces ready for their next adventure. See them all on Instagram at Gentle Vibes Vintage. Thumbprint is Detroit's only fair trade marketplace located in the historic Eastern Market. Our small business specializes in products handmade by empowered women in South Africa, making a living wage, creating things they love like hand-painted candles and ceramics. We also carry a curated assortment of sustainable and natural locally made goods. Thumbprint is a great gift destination for both the special people in your life and for yourself. Browse our online store at thumbprintdetroit.com and find us on Instagram at thumbprintdetroit. Blank Cass, or Blanket Coats by Cass, is focused on restoring, renewing, and reviving the history held within vintage and heirloom textiles. By embodying the love, craft, and energy that is original to each vintage textile as I transfer it into a new garment, I hope we can reteach ourselves to care for and mend what we have and make it last. Blank Cass lives on Instagram at blank underscore Cass, and a website will be launched soon at blankcass.com. Located in Whistler, Canada, Velvet Underground is a velvet jungle full of vintage and secondhand clothing, plants, a vegan cafe, and lots of rad products from other small sustainable businesses. Our mission is to create a brand and community dedicated to promoting self-expression, as well as educating and inspiring a more sustainable and conscious lifestyle, both for the people and the planet. Find us on Instagram at shop underscore velvet underground or online at www.shopvelvetunderground.com. St. Evans is a New York City-based vintage shop that is dedicated to bringing you those special pieces you'll reach for again and again. More than just a store, St. Evans is dedicated to sharing the stories and history behind the garments. 10% of all sales are donated to a different charitable organization each month. For the month of October, St. Evans is supporting Feed the Streets LA, a community-based mutual aid organization that collects donated food, hygiene products, clothing, and educational items for face-to-face distribution. New Vintage is released every Thursday at wearstevens.com with previews of new pieces and more brought to you on Instagram at where underscore st dot evans. That's where St. Evans. Country Feedback is a mom-and-pop record shop in Tarboro, North Carolina. They specialize in used rock, country, and soul, and offer affordable vintage clothing and housewares. Do you have used records you want to sell? Country Feedback wants to buy them. Find us on Instagram at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl, or head down east and visit our brick and mortar. All are welcome at this inclusive and family-friendly record shop in the country.
Republica Unicornia Yarns, handmade yarn and notions for the color obsessed, made with love and some swearing in fabulous Atlanta, Georgia by head yarn wench Kathleen. Get ready for rainbows with a side of giving a damn. Republica Unicornia is all about making your own magic using small batch, responsibly sourced, hand-dyed yarns, and thoughtfully made notions. Slow fashion all the way down and discover the joy of creating your very own beautiful hand-knit, crocheted, or woven pieces. Find us on Instagram at Republica underscore Unicornia underscore yarns and at www.republicaunicornia.com. Welcome to Close Horse, the podcast that is full of spooky stories about how fast fashion and overconsumption impacts our planet and its people. And I'm your host, Amanda. And I'm Meredith. And this is episode 100. I wanted to do something special for the 100th episode. And what better than saving Halloween with Meredith? You all know Meredith. Uh, She's a regular around here. We've talked about Fit. We've talked about Spencer's. Mm -hmm. We talked a lot about weird, sexy Spencer stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The body stalking. Never forget. Oh, never forget the body (laughs) stalking. Uh, Made by, I'm pretty sure, Leg Avenue, um, Mm -hmm. who we I didn't do any research into Leg Avenue, but we did talk about how Leg Avenue is one of the major makers of the, like, and I use this in quotes, sexy Halloween costumes out there. And I had hoped when you and I were researching this that we were going to go down an amazing rabbit hole of Leg Avenue history. Um, <laughs> we couldn't find it, but we did have no. a nice time, nice time being, you know, in, subjective, uh, reading the glass door reviews for Leg Avenue. And it turns out it's not a nice place to work. No, unfortunately, <laughs> no. Yeah. Totally unsurprising there. <sighs> well, yeah. Today, we're going to talk about how we can save inarguably the best holiday from the scourge of waste and overconsumption because nothing is disposable, but we tend to treat costumes, decorations, and all of the other holiday trimmings as if they are. And we, we love Halloween. Oh, it's the best holiday of the year. <laughs> it really 100%. is. 100%. The most wonderful time of the year. It's I, I don't know. I think back and I can't really remember the impetus of like my my love for Halloween. I just always remember loving it. I can't remember not loving Halloween. Me neither. It just always was awesome. You know, yes. you've got candy and costumes and parties <sighs> and it's like autumn and trick-or-treating. Like, trick-or-treating. Oh. Yes. That was my favorite thing. I remember – Always watching um, the Thriller music video on VH1 before exiting the house under the moonlight. Um, You know, usually it was really cold. I think that was the biggest downer of Halloween's um, of the Midwest (laughs) was when you had to wear your winter coat over your costume. It was the 
worst. I would Ugh. always be so angry, like negotiating with my mom. Like, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. Well, what if I wore long underwear under my costume? Could I then yes. not wear a coat? Because um, it was always cold in Pennsylvania then. And always. when I moved to Portland, Oregon, as an adult, it wasn't generally cold on Halloween, but it would be like torrential rain every oh, no. year, which is even worse, you know? That's worse. That is worse, 100%. <laughs> Man, I used to be so excited when we would have Halloween parties at school and going Mm -hmm. trick-or-treating. If you had a cool teacher, they would show the Michael Jackson thriller video as part of the, like, party in school. Um, Just such such a fun holiday. And it it makes me sad because – uh, recently I've heard parents talk about how kids can't dress up at school anymore. Or I remember one of my coworkers telling me that they, instead of doing Halloween, they called it storybook character day to like a P I don't know. I was just very disappointed. Ah. I'm like, please do not kill off Halloween. We still need this holiday. <laughs> Is this how the people who get all up in arms about the Starbucks Christmas cups, not being Christmassy enough feel? Yes. Am I finally yes. understanding it? Because <laughs> I feel like Halloween is such – it's a holiday that is so based in creativity, whether mm-hmm. that's like making your costume or making decorations, just like inhabiting this character for a day. Yes. I just – the storytelling attached to it and all the crafts and stuff, and I just I, – I want to protect Halloween. I, I think Halloween deserves to be protected. Um, it, and I think if more people could have experiences with Halloween like we did, then more people would be for it. Um, I I remember distinctly my dad's work going balls out on Halloween. I think that's one of the <laughs> things that really like made me love Halloween is I'd be involved in making the costumes for my dad's um, office because they had both individual and group costume contests at his wow. office. Like, and they also had like cubicle decorating competitions. Like it was incredible. So I was always involved in making their costumes. You know, obviously I was a, a child at the time, but it was very exciting to just help glue things. We They did um, Alice in Wonderland one year and my dad was the Mad Hatter and we paper mache the hat. Like we built – um, with chicken wire, the cage for the hat, and we paper mache it all. And just seeing everything go from like an idea to becoming something was always my favorite thing. And mm-hmm. there's one lady who I can really accredit to like inspiring me to make amazing costumes. Her name was August. And I wish I knew her last name so I could stalk her. Um, but she won the individual costume contest every single year at my dad's office. Like she crushed it, crushed it. And um, one of the years she allowed me to borrow one of her old costumes. She was uh, somebody who was walking in the rain and got struck by lightning. So she took a you know a yellow raincoat, totally distressed it. She had put um, like dry ice underneath, so it, like smoke was coming out of the raincoat when wow. she wore it. Oh, this is um, amazing! She, it, she like she destroyed an umbrella, and then she took um, a stuffed Pluto dog. And cut open like its back and stuffed a roller skate into it so that the dog basically was upside down being dragged by a leash behind her. 
because <laughs> the dog got hit by lightning too. It was just so well done. And she allowed me to borrow it one year for Halloween because I didn't have a costume. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. So wherever you are, August, I really appreciate you. You you do amazing things. And I hope you're still making costumes today. Ah, oh, that, yeah, I love that. You know, we were in our family, like we, we obviously didn't have any money. We were pretty poor. And so we couldn't go out and get like, I don't even, the fanciest costumes that were available when we were kids, like, let's be real. They were crap yeah, anyway. They, they were made of like plastic and just gross and, you know, <laughs> not that great. Um, so we always had to like make our costumes either out of clothes that we already had or like my mom was not much of a seamstress. So we would make things out of like tissue paper and cray paper and poster board and things like that. Like I remember yeah. when you're having a really amazing witch costume that was solely made out of paper. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, not, obviously not something you get to wear year after year, but like pretty no. minimal from a <laughs> consumption standpoint. Um, and, yeah. you know, my mom was much better at stapling and gluing than sewing. So we would, we would do things like that. And I think, you know, we obviously have a more privileged background when it comes to Halloween because it was important to our family. Our family was really yeah. into it and they made they made it happen for us either way. And I get sad thinking about how Halloween for some people can really, I don't know, just like emphasize their lack of privilege because, yeah. you know, these things aren't often accessible and Halloween is expensive, especially mm -hmm. now. We're going to talk about that today. If there were one thing I could do in the month of October, it would just be help lots of kids get their Halloween costumes together who yes. don't have that support. That would be yes. so fun. I don't know if this is like a thing we can do, but <laughs> oh my god, that'd be wonderful though. Like like an after school kind of program where you just come and help the kids build something. Right. Um, and it wear. doesn't have to be, be made out of paper and cardboard even, you know, or bring up a whole bunch of old clothes or, you know, like there's there where well, there's a will, there's a way if someone's there to help support you and teach you things and stuff like that. And yeah, I, think I would totally be down to do that. that. I, have, I have so many craft supplies. I have two full containers, like large containers of just random craft supplies that I've used on costumes throughout the years. And I keep them because I'm just like, well, maybe, but most of the time it just sits there. So I would happily donate to, to anybody out there who wants to spearhead this venture. Seriously. I would happily donate my my life's craft time supplies to this to this idea. Me too. And I know a lot of people who are listening to this are thinking the same thing. Like I have boxes and boxes of, you know, leftover fabric scraps and yarn and stuffing and who knows what else. And like, wouldn't it be fun to, within our communities, help kids have costumes who maybe wouldn't get to have them anyway. And they would actually have the best costumes because the best ones are the yes. ones that you create yourself. Oh you my know? goodness. 100%. That you dream up of in, in your own. I don't know if we can do it this year. We should start planning now how we can do it for next year in a bigger way because that would be amazing. And we, as you get older, sometimes Halloween is slightly less fun because you have to like work yeah. and, you know, <laughs> pandemic right now and just like, yeah. let's bring some of the magic back to Halloween as adults. Yeah. Tell me some of your favorite costumes that you've ever worn. Okay. So I threw some photos into her little dock there for you to look at. Um, <laughs> my husband and I kind of go hard on Halloween um, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of known for our costumes. Um, and it honestly started when we 
first started dating because up until that point as an adult, like I just, I kind of did some Halloween things, but not a lot. You know, I, I always loved Halloween and never stopped loving Halloween, but just, I guess the opportunity to like actually make my costume from scratch. Um, I did it here and there in my, in my early twenties. But when I first started dating Doug, we both kind of regaled each other of our, our love for Halloween. <laughs> and that's kind of what put us uh, kind of in a mini contest between ourselves of like who could make the best costume. But as time went on, we have collaborated and, um, you know, we've, we've come close to divorce a few times over costumes um, <laughs> because things can get very, when you're down to the wire and it's, you know, the third week of October and you still have a lot of work to do, it becomes very stressful. So um, but we definitely enjoy it. Last year, we didn't do anything really. We we still dressed up, but we didn't make anything for any costume. So uh, this year, we're we're back at it because we're like we can't we can't lose two Halloweens in a row. It's just it's just not acceptable. So agreed, agreed. Um, my my top three, I'd say, um, are first of all um, Goldie Hawn from Death Becomes Her. But Classic. I, did. I love that movie. <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's so good. It's like camp it at its finest. I highly recommend yeah. if you haven't seen that movie to to watch it. Um, I did the VHS cover um, of that movie always stands out to me because I would always see it at the movie store. Um, <laughs> the, the movie mart, uh, our local movie rental place. Um, so there's like a candelabra. Um, Bruce Willis is holding a candelabra through a hole in Goldie Hawn's stomach um, because that's what happens in the mm-hmm. movie. And yes. so I recreated that. It was so – I was an idiot and I used like a real candelabra that was metal. It was really <laughs> heavy and I had to like attach yeah. a fake hand to it. And like I put that on a piece of wood and then I had to put padding underneath it and then I like strapped it to my body with a giant piece of elastic. Like it was it was painful and uncomfortable to wear, but a lot of my best costumes were the same thing. So um <laughs> Yeah, it it turned out I I tried to glue because I bought like a rubber hand and I tried to glue the hand with like super glue around the candelabra, but the the rubber just doesn't stay bent. Like I even got like clamps to like hold the hand in place oh while the glue gosh. dried. It did yeah. not work. So I had to thread um I had to thread wire through each of the fingers to like pull it. It it was like a whole fucking thing. <laughs> This is amazing though because it works. I'm looking at the photo right now and it looks great. Thank you. Thank you. I mean that's that's one of the fun things about Halloween costumes is like it really it really, I don't know, encourages a lot of creative problem solving. Yes. And I think it can be I mean, like all of us I'm sure have tried the first pass on some costume has been a nightmare, but we rigged it up and made it work. You know what yes. I mean? Like that's what's so cool about it. There's like there's no other <laughs> option. Like you have to have a costume, so you have to figure it out. And that was one that yeah, definitely yeah. came down to the wire. I think I finished that one maybe a couple days before Halloween. And after wearing it for our Halloween party and then I wore it to work, I was like I I am not I, I like on actual Halloween we were going to go out and I told my husband I was like I don't want to put my costume on again like that's how 
uncomfortable it was. I was like, I'm done. Like I wore it twice. I'm I'm good. Um, <laughs> another fun one that I did was a uh, Ruby Rod from The Fifth Element. And um, I did – this is like Chris Tucker's character. He wears a lot of crazy costumes in the movie. Um, and so I, I made the the wig and the outfit. That was the first one that I like really patterned from scratch. Like I made the pattern. I cut everything out. I bought the fabric, sewed it together. So that one really stands out in my mind because it was like the first one where I really like went for it and it, it ended up working. Um. And then the the last of my top three is when I was a pincushion. Um, it's like <laughs> so cute. <laughs> thank you so much. I I I love that. I still have all of these costumes, by the way. Of course, you got to save them. Um, but this one was a labor of love. I I built it from scratch. I made a cage and I just turned it into the tomato with a little strawberry and put pins on it. It was fun. It was a really fun one. And I was so happy with how it turned out. It it really blew my mind. It was like the first time where I was like, oh, like I can actually do this. It, it built my confidence in my costume making skills. So Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and we're going to share photos of all this on Instagram because you, you have to see these costumes. They're amazing. How about you? I mean, I am more of a person who just wears the same costume year after year. <laughs> uh, so I've been the Hamburglar for a really long time and definitely amazing. will be the Hamburglar again this year. I mean, last year we didn't get dressed up. I know a lot of people didn't. And I, and I felt yeah. sad. I actually felt very sad at Halloween. We were in the process of moving into our house out here in Lancaster County. I think we probably actually spent our, one of our first nights it, living in the house around Halloween. And I felt sad okay. because I was like, I love Halloween so much. This year has already been so just uh, everything, like epically disappointing. You know, what do we do for our birthday? Nothing. What do we do for our anniversary? Nothing. Nothing. What do we do for yeah. Easter and Fourth of July and Labor Day and all the things that, you know, no matter what, they usually were reason to make a day special in one way or another. We didn't do anything. And it was like, now now, now they yeah. took Halloween, you know? <laughs> I know. Just, it was it's just the worst. so terrible. And uh, it, felt, it felt really sad. And so, you know, you and I were talking about this a while ago, and I was like, we have to have Halloween this year. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's it's still a pretty dark time out there right now, right? Like the news yeah. is so bad every day. There's more and more to be anxious about. I just read how now there's a pandemic of sleeplessness, which I totally, yeah, yeah I saw that. I've got that. I I'm dealing with that myself. But uh, hey, like maybe we could do something fun for Halloween. <laughs> you know, I think yeah, we we definitely deserve it. We were kind of robbed of our our hot back summer. Um, yeah, so yeah, we, I think everyone's just looking for ways and, and we all know this is kind of, you know, for better, or for worse is like the new normal. So we have to figure out a way to celebrate and make things special again, because we can't keep going in the doldrums. Like we have to lift it up as best as we can, you know, obviously not negating all of the, the bad stuff that's happening out there, but you know, Life is life and we got to keep going and we got to find the excitement again. It's the only thing that really keeps you going. It's true. It's true. I I have definitely uh, dated some really unfun people in my adult life uh, in retrospect who were very anti-Halloween and kind of anti-holidays and thought it was really cheesy and very uncool of me to like Halloween or anything Ooh. else. And I was like, these are the things <laughs> that give you something to look forward to that – 
let you make yeah. something creative and see friends and feel excited. And you can pick the holidays you want to celebrate. You can ignore them all if you want. You can make your own holiday. You can have your birthday be a 17-week-long activity Whatever it takes, you know, to, <laughs> you know, feel happy. I think that there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Oh, yeah. But there are better and worse ways to do these kinds of things. So today we're going to talk about Halloween. You know, it's a massive business. There's a ton of consumption and waste and many environmental repercussions of Halloween. But that doesn't mean that we need to bag up Halloween and also send that to the landfill. We just need no. to change up the way we do it. So I feel like this is a really important mission and I'm excited to break it all down with Meredith, who is the only person I know who both loves Halloween as much as me and also wanted to be on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I didn't ask anybody else. I knew you were the one. I was like, he loves Halloween. This is a person. Um, Before we jump into that, I just wanted to thank some of our newest Patreon supporters. Uh, I haven't done it for a few weeks, um, so I'm going to do – I'm only going to name six people today, but I really got to get back on track. I got to do six every episode, and I'm doing it. So (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. First, we have Trinity Thomas of Kentucky. Um, Molly Becker, who is from California, just mm-hmm. like you, Meredith. Well, you're Yay. not from California. Let's be real. I mean, you're in California. I like to think of myself as an adopted daughter of California because I moved <laughs> here when I was 18. So, you know, I feel like I became an adult here. So I, I qualify for citizenship, I feel. Yeah, I think I think you qualify. Okay, I mean, good. I feel like I'm a Californian <laughs> in my heart too, so yes. I, I get it. If you love California, you love California, and that's just how it is. Yes. Uh, I don't know if Molly Becker loves California, but I hope she does because that's where she is. Uh, <laughs> next, we have Malin Miklaboost of Oslo, Norway, and I got that name right because Malin was nice enough to preemptively send me an email explaining how to pronounce her name. So thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so grateful for that. Uh, She also sent me some details about herself. She says, I live in Oslo, Norway with my chess-obsessed husband, and I work at a secondhand shop that is part of the Norwegian branch of the Salvation Army named Freetex. In my spare time, I do a lot of sewing, redesigning thrift finds, and mending clothes for myself, friends, and family. I find it to be very meaningful to extend the life of these items so they can continue to be worn and loved. And I agree. Wow. I want to be friends with Malin. She sounds amazing. I know. I know. Uh, Next, we have Emily Graham, another Californian. California coming out hard for clothes horse. Uh, Next, we have a very special name twin, Amanda Lee Anderson of Chicago. Uh, I just can only assume that she is amazing because we have both the same first name and middle name, and it's a great combination that doesn't get enough credit out there in the world. (laughs) Uh, And lastly, but never leastly, we have Audrey Hawkersmith who sells secondhand vintage as Somewhat Odd Finds on Instagram. She lives in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I just want to say for all of you who I was unable to stalk on the internet, which was most of you, if you have a fun fact or a small business or a project you would like me to shout out, please send it my way. I love using the podcast as a way of building community and supporting small businesses within our community. So if there's ever anything I can do to help spread the word, I'm here to do it. 
Thank you to everyone who supports Clothes Horse via Patreon and all kinds of other ways, whether it's writing a review or leaving a rating on Apple Podcasts, sharing content on Instagram, or telling your friends to listen. Um, if you're interested in supporting Close Horse and my work here, please go check out patreon.com slash Clothes Podcast. I will say the Patreon exclusive episodes of Close Horse are amazing. So if you need another reason to join the Patreon, <laughs> I would definitely, definitely encourage you to do so because those episodes are amazing and you'll thoroughly enjoy them. Yes, I put just as much work into them, if not more, because often it's just me. So it's like hours of writing and recording. (laughs) Um, I will just tell you all, I'm going to be really transparent. I have not yet released the August episode, and this is going to come out, uh, the August Patreon exclusive episode. This is going to come out, this episode that we're recording right now, the first week of October. And I apologize. I've been a little behind because of life. Like we didn't have electricity for a few days. The internet was out. Then I got all this freelance work and I just, I promise um, a whole bunch of Patreon exclusive episodes are coming soon. I'm trying to get back on track. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All good things. All good things. All good things. All good things. So it's a pandemic, Mm. but we're going to celebrate Halloween anyway because it's fun. We need fun. We need it. You can still care about things and have fun. Yes. COVID will not take this away from us. So we're going to talk about all the things you could do to get yourself in a Halloween vibe. Like, listen, we've all had some wild and crazy Halloween party stories, mm-hmm. right? We've, yes. I mean, like, listen, the number of my times my hamburger costume has come home covered with mud and, like, vodka. I mean, <laughs> so many times, right? Uh, and, you know, unfortunately – we really can't party in that way right now. I mean, maybe it's not even unfortunately. Maybe it's a good thing because we're doing other things. But Meredith and I made a list of other ways that you could celebrate Halloween while still being safe during the pandemic. Uh, one is you could just wear a costume anyway, yes. um, which is what I'm going to do. I'm going to yep. wear a costume and hang out at my house, and it's going to be great. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I always, even if you're office is terrible and they don't do anything for Halloween, I always have worn a costume. So if you feel so inclined, wear your costume out, wear it to the grocery store, wear it on the train. I love wearing my costume on the train because people would would just get so excited seeing you and they'd wish they were you. I think most people are too hesitant to do that. And when they see someone who's just like, fuck it, I don't care. I'm wearing this costume. People get really excited. So if you love to wear costumes, wear it all day, wear it to the bank, wear it to the doctor's office. I don't care. Just have fun with it. I agree. I agree. You know, I was thinking when you're talking about offices, I always wear my Halloween costume to work. (laughs) Um, But I remember when I first moved from Portland to Philadelphia for my first job as an assistant buyer, Um, I asked someone, it was like a week or two before Halloween, does everyone get dressed up for Halloween? Because previously in Portland, everywhere I'd worked, like we wore costumes because it was Mm -hmm. fun. And someone who I realized now was a bitch uh, (laughs) said, yeah, yeah, we all wear our costumes to work. It's a great time. And I was like, okay, cool. So uh, I didn't have a lot of stuff with me. I, but one thing I did have was this 70s Girl Scout uniform that I'd frequently like, honestly... Living in Portland, the aughts, you'd go to two, three, four, five 
Halloween parties. So you kind of would need a, a collection of rotating sure. outfits and costumes <laughs> that you just sort of accumulated. Um, you know, and I'd be like taking Dylan trick-or-treating. Like there's so, there was always like needs for costumes. So I had that Girl Scout uniform, which had been part of my rotation, and I wore that to work. You didn't do anything too wild, you know. It's not like I was wearing a mask or anything. And every I was literally the only per- person on the whole campus in a costume that day. I felt like Ugh. such an asshole. And she mean I felt like you. people were making fun of me. She mean girl me. Um, oh my god, that job was weird because, like, it had a big cafeteria. And for the first couple months that I worked there, I would just sit in the cafeteria alone eating eating my lunch and reading a book because no one would talk to me. <laughs> it was Aww, really terrible, actually. Um, yeah. Grown-up life. Sometimes it's just like high school. Anyway, yes. <laughs> wear a costume and don't let anyone stop you. Seriously. No. Even when, when I lived in LA, you know, I didn't even have a car. So I took public transportation mm-hmm. to work every day. I'd be on the train on my costume. I don't give a care. Hell yeah. You know? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing you can do, if maybe you're like, I, I don't like costumes. Some people don't like costumes and that's okay. But you could decorate your house. You don't mm-hmm. even need to decorate. Like some people think, you know, the only way you can decorate for Halloween is like to decorate your porch, right? Or your windows. Yeah. But you could decorate your bathroom if that's what you want. Yes. Your bedroom. I don't care. I actually do decorate my bathroom. Um, there's a few little spooky things I like to put in there in the guest bathroom. Just as like fun little things that catch your eye when you're in there. <laughs> like b- puddles of blood. Exactly. Just <laughs> puddles of blood. <laughs> <laughs> a just fake your bathroom eye. with ketchup on it. You know, <laughs> just a few things. <laughs> you could also – Make some spooky snacks that day. Make make Rice Krispie treats and cut them out into the shape of ghosts. Cute. Or yeah, or make something pumpkiny. You know, there's or just like so many ideas out there. I mean, yeah. there's no excuse, guys. There's this thing called the internet and Google, <laughs> and you just go on and you can get access to all of the ideas. I mean, obviously, Martha Stewart has a catalog of ideas that you can find oh on my gosh website. Yeah. Um, yeah but you know there's much more simplified ones out there as well so if the mood strikes you you can find something and you can do it you can you know I want to give a shout out to my friend Bobby Wall who worked with me at Mod Cloth I don't know if you remember her oh Mary. yeah Bobby mm-hmm. did blonde hair yeah. yeah and we were somehow I don't know how this happened we ended up being in charge of the like charitable giving committee or something. I don't know if that uh-huh. was what it was called, but I was like, the best way to raise money th- for things is to throw a really elaborate party and charge everyone in the office to come. And so yes. we we throw these elaborate parties up on the top floor and like, you know, make everybody like donate five bucks to come or whatever. And uh, we made, gosh, we had so many Pinterest boards of spooky foods. Like, trust me, you can... <laughs> There's a whole spectrum <laughs> from like easy, like throwing some candy corn on something to like making bloody fingers and all kinds of other stuff. Um, oh, it's, yeah. it's so fun. It's yeah. so fun. Um, another thing you could do if you can't see your friends or family, I know I live out in the middle of nowhere. I have not seen any of my friends in so <laughs> long. You can make treat bags to send in, to your friends or give to them in person or drop off on their porches. Yeah. You know, candy and you can like – Write them a little note to, I don't know, prank them or something. I don't know. Everyone loves a little gift, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but just those little things make you really, really happy when you get something like that. So I think that's a great idea. It's true. It's true. And, you know, this is a great way to share some spooky snacks. 
Um, another thing you can do is watch some seasonal movies. And like, I, I'm just going to say, I don't actually like scary movies, but Same. there are plenty of scary movies out there, not scary, unscary movies yeah. <laughs> out there that are seasonally appropriate. Absolutely. Um, I actually, last Halloween, um, I, I don't know if you caught this. It, it was kind of at the tail end of my Disney experience, but um, Halloween Town uh, was a Disney Channel original movie, and it's on <laughs> Disney Plus, which we we have because my friend <laughs> logged into his account at our house, and so I made my husband, who's like five years older than me, watch it. I'm like, it's cute, you'll like it, and I was like watching. I'm like, this is a really cute movie. <laughs> you know, it's silly and it's it's a kids movie, obviously, but. Um, just little things like that that kind of get you in the mood, in the fall mood at the very least. Absolutely. And there are so many. Like there's a whole spectrum. Like there are plenty of scary movies and I uh, don't know any of them very well because I try to avoid them. But there are like in between scary movies. Like I feel like Beetlejuice is kind of in between. Like I remember as a mm-hmm. kid being a little yeah. afraid of it. But then there are like, you know, some lighter lighter fare, like Hocus Pocus. Yes. Of or course. the the worst witch and things like that. Uh, you know, Charlie Brown and like the Great Pumpkin. You know, yes. Um, there's like, uh, well, Practical Magic. It's a little spooky, but um, but that was a good one. Um, there's yeah, there's a handful. If you do want to get a little scary, you can watch The Craft, which was always one of my favorite ones. Um, growing up, I loved watching that movie on TV. It was on like TBS every day, pretty much. Oh my gosh, of all the time. <laughs> All the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, another thing you could do is you could listen to Halloween music or just some spooky sounds. Spooky sounds. (laughs) I was telling you, Amanda, about the tape that – we got from Avon, the Avon catalog. It was probably like a gift with purchase. It was called Spooky Sounds. You can actually listen to it on YouTube now because the internet is an amazing place. Um, And it was this cassette tape and it has like, you know, like the monster mash on it. One side had just like the Adams Family theme, the monster mash theme, like songs, like scary, quote unquote, scary songs. Um, And then on the (laughs) other side was just spooky sounds. So you know, stairs creaking in a haunted house, ghosts howling <laughs> in the wind, you know, just it's, it is ridiculous, but it is amazing. So I highly recommend going on YouTube, looking up spooky sounds and just putting it on the background. It will definitely get you into the Halloween mood. It's it's true. <laughs> At some point, my grandma, I, I don't know if she got it. I, it adds up to me that it would have come from Avon as well. Um, but who knows, like Hallmark and all kinds of other places yeah. and spooky soundscapes too at that time. And she gave one to me and my brother. And of course, we're like, hey, 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 hey. we're going <laughs> to pull so many pranks with this. And so we had this idea that we were going to put it in a tape player and put it behind the toilet and like scare people. <laughs> <laughs> but all That's it really good. did was like annoy people. <laughs> like, oh god damn it, this tape again? <laughs> I know. It's like door slamming, you know, yes. like that kind of thing. I am going to make a Spotify playlist of oh, some yes. of my favorite 
so-called spooky seasonal songs and I'll share oh, that with that. everybody. Please. Yeah. Some, you know, can get you in the mood all month long. I mean, like October is the best month. The it best is the best month. month, right? Absolutely. Okay. Another thing you could do, and I mean, I know some of you are like super over this, but you could host <laughs> a Zoom party with your friends. Yeah. If that, if you feel so inclined, I think people are still doing that. If you want to get the gang together in a very safe way. And I know for us, like a lot of our friends are scattered across the country. So anytime we've been able Mm -hmm. to do like house party or zoom, it's been a really fun way to just connect everybody. Even if it's just for, it doesn't have to be like hours and hours of your time. You could just be like, Hey, we're beating up for an hour. We're just going to all chit chat, say hi, and then go on and do whatever you need to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just you know, it just feels good because you know we have to. Unfortunately, we have to try harder to be close right now, and that's okay. I think it. You know, built, I've built so many relationships during the pandemic with people like you, Meredith, who like I knew yes. but I didn't like know, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate that. I'm excited no, about it. Absolutely. I I have thought many times about how if this had happened like 25 years ago, how screwed we'd all be because no one would really yeah. be able to work remotely and the ability to stay in touch with people was so much harder because there was just – we lacked the technology. So if there's mm-hmm. anything to be thankful for, it would be that this is happening in during the quote-unquote modern age because we've been able to survive in a much better way than we would have um, in the past. Agreed. Agreed. Much, very much a silver lining there. Yeah. Um, I also am just going to spoil this now for you all. Speaking of fun things you could do on Halloween, on Halloween this year, that is October 31st. It's a Sunday. Meredith and I are going to do a spooky Instagram live. Spooky. We're going to tell you some stories of brands that have become ghosts because they're gone. (laughs) And we're going to talk about some horrible trends that still haunt our closets. Yes. God, I love a Halloween pun. (laughs) Yes, me too. That was very well done. Tip of the witch's cap. Thank you. This morning, Billy looked like any other boy, but as the moon rose, he turned into a werewolf. He used new Pa's Halloween makeup kits. His friends did too. Look, Mike's a vampire. Amy's a ghost. Pa's makeup is safer than masks. It never blocks vision and it's hypoallergenic too. So watch your kids turn into the creatures they really are with new Pa's Halloween makeup kits. Okay, well, Halloween is a massive moneymaker, and we all knew that. Maybe you didn't know that. You knew that. Everyone knew that, right? Everyone knew that. In the before times, before the pandemic, Halloween was a massive holiday for retailers. Halloween spending reached $9 billion in 2018. (laughs) It was a little bit higher in 2019. Last year was weird, right? Um, mm-hmm. The average person participating in Halloween festivities in 2018 spent $86.79. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. according to the National Retail Federation's annual Halloween survey. The other thing I noticed from all this data is that millennials spend more on Halloween than boomers. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shocking. Shocking, because uh, we we love an Instagram costume, right? That's right. I also learned a fun fact, which I'm like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. When Halloween falls on a Monday or a Tuesday, 
retailers forecast lower sales for Halloween that year because less adults will be attending parties. Uh huh. Yeah, that's so interesting because we were we were thinking last year. Not only was it a big loss because it was the pandemic, but also it was a Saturday. Like oh Halloween falls on a Saturday, you know, I don't know, every six, seven years, right? So uh-huh. And it's the best. It's, like it's so exciting. It's the best. You know? It's the yeah. best because you're like, wow, we can actually have our party on actual Halloween and we don't have to work the next day. This is the best. And it all kind of went to waste last year. So kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a bummer. Well, this year – Surprisingly or not, Halloween is on track to be a major revenue driver because a lot of people like us are like, I don't care. I'm having Halloween. Mm -hmm. I read this Fortune magazine article from August 17th of this year. And I'm telling you that date because I think it's really important. Let's say it again. August 17th. And it said, quote, Home Depot on Tuesday – said an early release of its Halloween decorations sold out almost immediately. Wow. And it's August. Yeah. I mean, people are excited, (laughs) right? Yeah. Retailers are looking at this surge in Halloween decorations to mean that the Christmas and Hanukkah decoration sales this year will be even wilder. Mm -hmm. Apparently last year, I did not know of this. I guess by the time all of the winter holidays rolled around, people were just like, I'm over it. I've sacrificed so much. And so everybody was just buying tons and tons of decorations, like anything they could to have that spirit since they weren't going to get to see loved ones and whatnot. And so what happened is the demand was so high, retailers ran out of decorations because they kind of had underbought the holidays Mm -hmm. because, you know, like, well, I don't know if everybody else remembers, like, COVID was going to go away by Easter all the stores yeah. <laughs> were filled with Easter stuff on clearance for like four months afterwards. So they didn't yeah. want that to happen again. And so everybody's running out of stuff. Retailers pushed prices higher. People still bought it all. So this year, retailers were like, okay, we think maybe Christmas and Hanukkah and all the other winter holidays are going to be major drivers again. So they bought a lot more. Um, but Halloween demand is already exceeding its expectations. And so like industry-wide, there's a concern that they didn't buy enough holiday decorations again. That is incredible. I I always think whenever you go in the store, you know, you're always like, oh, wow, you know, every year Christmas decorations hit earlier and earlier and mm-hmm. earlier. And now it seems like they're doing the exact same thing with Halloween decorations. So, oh, totally. Totally. Um, <laughs> You know, it's kind of like as much as I love Halloween, there's something about it where I'm like, no, it's like October. Like I need Halloween the whole month of October, but I don't want to see it in August like that. That is crazy to me that they sold out in the middle of August. That is that that is nuts. Yes, yes. Pretty wild. Well, I also read that last year, Lowe's and Home Depot and all of the other like big home improvement stores had a really strong fall and winter season, which normally wouldn't be for home improvement. Most of that happens during warm weather. And Mm -hmm. the early part of the year, their businesses had been on fire because a lot of people were like, well, now I'm stuck at home. I guess I'm going to renovate things or, you know, build a home office or add another bathroom, that kind of thing. And so they already were having these record sales in, in the midst of a pandemic where no one else was having record sales. <laughs> and yeah. they there was some concern like, okay, well, this is this usually drops off 
in fall, winter, they had this idea like we're going to invest in more seasonal product. So like you might go to a Home Depot and they'd be selling like Christmas trees and like air hockey tables and things like that. And Lowe's actually had this major hit with a $300 12-foot skeleton that sold out immediately wow. and was all <laughs> over Instagram. So they had like a record season by going hard after like, you know, holiday vibes basically. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, my husband was at Home Depot and he was like, I'm coming back with a Halloween decoration. And I was like, a Halloween decoration from Home Depot? Like, it just, <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense. But at the same time, I was just like, why do they have those? Yeah. And he, yeah. he brought home this, um, we call it Skella KK because our, our dog who has since passed on was the same size as this dog. It's like a skeleton dog. It's plastic. And you hit the button and it barks like an evil bark and it, its <laughs> eyes light up and it's red. Um, it's like, it's a great decoration. Um, but she, she gets stowed away in the, the attic of our garage uh, in the off season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great decoration. It was from Home Depot. And, and now I, we were in there, I think like a week ago and there were definitely Halloween decorations all up ready for you to buy. Oh yeah. I mean, I, it was, it wasn't, I guess, a surprise to me reading this, but you know, I I was I had to take myself back to this time last year where we were spending an awful lot of time at Home Depot and Lowe's because we were moving into this house and we had to do a lot of wiring and stuff because, like, you know, wasn't didn't have a lot of electricity in it, uh, and we needed <laughs> other things to make it yeah. more the way we're Function. used to living as city people, <laughs> yeah, as non Amish people, and yes. so we were constantly stopping by Home Depot or Lowe's to pick up this or that. And the thing I remember is that there was like the holiday decorations were like more of the store than anything else it seemed like. Like those massive inflatable things that people put on their lawns during the holidays, like the snow Mm -hmm. globes and stuff like that. And I had never thought of of like Home Depot as a place you would go to buy a Christmas tree, but they easily had like 50 different options and ornaments. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I, has it always been this way? I, d- I don't know. Um, but apparently that was a conscious decision on their part. Well, yeah. like a lot of things we discover around here that relate to consumerism and retail, Halloween began to be a big, you know, shopping holiday after World War II. Also, just remember, after World War II is when we saw things pop up like Spencer's. Spencer's. Right? (laughs) Uh, After the war, Disney began licensing its characters' likenesses for costume patterns that were sold at local Five and Dimes. And, of course, everyone's mom was out there sewing these costumes. Mm -hmm. Then there was the rise of the suburbs. Uh, That was really what made trick-or-treating a regular activity, sort of a part of the standard childhood experience in the United States because you could just walk around and collect candy. So it's really like the boomers are the first Mm -hmm. generation that got to have Halloween in the way that we know it now. Yes. Um, By the 1980s, uh, older baby boomers were having kids of their own. Younger members of the boomer generation were, you know, turning it into like a party night. Um, you know, so costume sales increased, candy sales, decoration sales. It was like picking picking up a lot of momentum. And at the same time, licensing deals with comic book publishers and movie studios helped costume sellers expand their offerings beyond, you know, like fake blood and hats and brooms, you know, scarecrow costumes, like the things that were the more classic costumes before the licensing era. 
all of this coming together, it was like the perfect storm of Halloween, just like blowing up. And new companies like Party City, Spirit of Halloween, and Halloween Express popped up to cash in. You know, we've we've already discussed how home improvement stores have been able to cash in on Halloween, which is still really just saying that sentence out loud is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> never never mind how like drug stores have cashed in and like, you know, and all stores have cashed in. But it's a really big sales driver for other retailers like Walmart, Target, and Party City. Mm-hmm. Which I like always forget about Party City. Um yeah. you know, it's kind of expensive. <laughs> it is. Um I I think we went this was maybe like six years ago. We went to a party city, the one that's in Atwater Village, um, because I needed to get, I think, just one little thing for a costume. And I was like, oh, party city will definitely have it. And they're open, you know, until 7 or 8 p.m. So I was like, I can go after work. That's always a big thing is, you know, when you're at nine to five, you can't get to the fun little craft store downtown. You have to kind of go to one of the main big mm-hmm. box stores. So I was like, all right, let's just go to party city. So we pull up. It was definitely like close to the store closing. It was later at night. The store was packed with people. And of course, we get in there and we're like, oh my God. You know, it'd been a minute since I'd been in a store that was just like all Halloween. And we walk up and down the aisles and my husband sees the fog machine that they have. And we were having a (laughs) Halloween party and he's like, we have to buy the fog machine. And I was like... Okay, seems kind of expensive, but you know, all right, well, let's do it. Fog, fog is cool, so yeah, let's let's fucking buy this thing. And there, of course, were two options. There was the cheaper option and the more expensive option. So we got the cheaper one, figuring it's a fog machine. Like, what? It just makes fog. Like, it's fine. We just need the base model here. <laughs> Nothing crazy. So Halloween comes around. We set this thing up. It was awful. It didn't work. And every time it did like kind of sputter out fog, if you wanted to even call it that, it, this like high pitched, like whining noise oh, no! came out. <laughs> like, I don't even know. I don't know. It was like such a disappointment because it was like $50 or something like that. And it did not oh, work. And like instant trash. Major, mm-hmm. major bummer. Yeah, I guess no, totally. Quality when it comes to a fog machine. Who knew? <laughs> Apparently. Apparently. Uh, you know what I was just also thinking of is how all of the like craft and sewing stores, like the big chains, also like Halloween is a big deal for them too. You know, I'm mm-hmm. talking like Joanne, Michaels, that yep. kind of place. And your first, you're like, oh, that makes sense, you know, because people are making costumes and making decorations. But when you walk into those stores, it's actually like 20 aisles of pre made decorations and costumes. You know, like, yeah. like I'm sure there are people there buying fabric and other trims to sew costumes, but these, even these stores have cashed in on this, like, kind of like fast Halloween product, you know? Yes. Sadly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always like confusingly on sale um, to confuse you into buying it. Yes. <laughs> so Party City opened in 1986, which is, it makes sense. It, Party City feels like it's from the 80s, right? Yeah. And no, for pretty, sure. Pretty quickly, Halloween was a key part of its business. It now operates more than 900 year-round stores in North America because you can go to Party City any time of the year and get decorations and party favors and all kinds of things. But at Halloween, it becomes predominantly Halloween. So 
Party City starts planning for the holiday a year in advance using, are you ready for this? This is like nowhere have I worked have we had this size of team. A 130-person design team to oh create and design costumes. We Everywhere wow. I've worked, it's been like a 13-person design team, a three-person design team. Yeah, we don't I was going to say 13 is even a yeah. lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. so – They are like, I mean, wow, 130 people working on design. I'm sure some of them are doing production too, but still, like, that is, that is massive. Yeah. That's bonkers. It gets even wilder because, as we've mentioned here on the podcast many times, most retailers, in fact, I would say like 99.9% of retailers Mm -hmm. don't own their own factories. They contract through agents to have their stuff made. Well, in 2016, Party City bought their own factory in Madagascar to manufacture costumes. Yeah. I mean, that is wild. Yeah. That is nuts. I know. I know. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Really, really shocking. So when summer rolls around, the company starts hiring usually about 35,000 seasonal employees. And by early August – a merchandising team is setting up the seasonal stores and, you know, reworking the existing stores. The company brings in about a quarter of its entire <laughs> annual revenue in October. Mm-hmm. Deborah Bellavan, who's the company's vice president of investor relations, told Bloomberg, Halloween is really our Christmas. <laughs> uh, which in retail terms means that's when we make all our money. <laughs> yeah. So now that we know Party City is such a big mover and a shaker here that they literally own their own factory, I I just cannot say enough how how much of a big deal that is. That's impressive that impressive. they did that. Yeah. It's very impressive. Now, we can't speak to the conditions under which people work in that factory. I'm assuming it's probably not great, um, you know, but yeah. uh, just based on the pricing that you see and knowing like what I know about the industry as a whole, uh, <laughs> them owning their own factory could be a good thing because it could mean that they have more visibility into the conditions that their workers work in. But like, do they care about it? I don't know. I couldn't find any information yeah. about that. Yeah. So that brings me to Spirit of Halloween. Um, if that name sounds familiar to you, it's probably because right now there's one in a town nearby where you live in maybe an old Pier 1 Imports or an abandoned Circuit City <laughs> or some Toys other business. Yeah, oh, lots of Toys R Us and Baby R Us for sure, for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, Spencer's, Spencer's Gifts owns Spirit of Halloween, and Spirit of Halloween itself comprises 50% of that company's total annual revenue. Like, it's a cash cow, right? Mm -hmm. These stores are only open for 60 to 90 days each year, and they are picking up half of that company's annual (laughs) revenue. That is wild. Um, They usually occupy vacant retail spaces and strip malls. The stores will range from 7,000 to 10,000 square feet, so pretty big, but not enormous. One article I read said that sometimes they struggle to find empty retail spaces that aren't too big. 
So like a Toys R Us is about a good size for them, but like they wouldn't want to move into like an empty Walmart or something that'd be way too big. Yeah. Spirit of Halloween has had kind of their pick of the litter in terms of empty retail spaces for the past few years, thanks to like the retail apocalypse and then, you know, the pandemic. But I was reading about how after the recession in 2008 or in the recession, I guess, they they could seriously, they could find any space anywhere they wanted and name their own price. But then as wow. the economy recovered, it got a lot harder. Um, so they're probably feeling at least a little stoked that there's more space again for them. But then again, <laughs> the pandemic hasn't yes. been good for Halloween. So I don't know. It's a bit mixed bag. Anyway, yeah. uh, when they move into these stores, which once again, they're there for like one to two to maybe three months, they pay a much higher monthly rent than a normal tenant would pay. Um, the leases are typically six to eight weeks long. You know, it just depends on what their merchandising strategy is and whatnot. Most of these stores are closed and emptied out completely by November 15th at the latest. Yeah. They just pack yeah. it all up and put it away for next Halloween. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. A lot of them are saying they do that. I like to believe it. But there's got to be some stuff like makeup and things like that that aren't really like storable um, that they would have to toss out. So there has to be waste associated with it. So I was like, what an interesting concept. Like where did Spirit of Halloween begin? And I found that it was Spirit Halloween, as it was originally called, was founded by Joe Marver in 1983. Once again, this is when Halloween is like becoming like a big business. And mm-hmm. it quickly grew from one pop-up store in the Castro Valley Mall in California to 63 stores across the country. He didn't begin his business because he loved Halloween. He actually had this clothing line called Spirit Women's Discount Apparel. Uh, and he was – I we talk about – the term aspirational. <laughs> the branding not here, that. not aspirational. Not um, it's a very long name as well. Spirit Women's Discount Apparel. He needed to move a lot of inventory. And he had this idea of filling a store with his extra Spirit Women's Discount Apparel. And then adding in some like masks and Halloween wigs and makeup. And just like to see if that would work. And it did and so soon he was opening up multiple pop-ups each year and kind of abandoning Spirit Women's Discount Apparel, which was probably a smart choice. Yes. You know, other retailers and companies took notice of this because they were like, well, how do we get in on this? This is genius. Like a pop-up shop that just comes and goes around one specific holiday. And when you think about it, it's it's smart, you know? Mm-hmm. Tons of retailers would reach out to him about buying his concept and he ignored them all. But then in 1999... He ran into an executive from Spencer's at a party supply trade show in Manhattan. He accepted a limousine ride to the company's headquarters in Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey, which is pretty (laughs) close to Atlantic City. And history was made, although he will tell you, they gave him a lot of money (laughs) for this deal. Uh, Usually how that happens. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, like I'm being nice here. Like, just take it. Um, (laughs) Spencer's year-round staff actually provides key infrastructure for Spirit's pop-up business with managers moving from one chain to the other for the holiday season, which I had been Mm -hmm. wondering about. Like, how how did they – how did people work for this business that wasn't open year-round? But, I mean, they're also like – 
working on planning and buying product kind of all year long. Uh, it just takes that long, you know? Yeah. I don't think Spirit of Halloween has their own factory like Party City, but I mean, they buy from a lot of the same vendors over and over again. So there's probably a lot of product development stuff, including Leg Avenue. Yes. <laughs> Hallmark's ready for Halloween. And you know, it's the strangest thing. Everybody's wild about new scratch and sniff stickers in special trick-or-treat packages. And they're dying to take home these cuddly pumpkin bean bags. And these party decorations are so popular, they seem to just disappear. So come to Hallmark, the Halloween store. <laughs> Where we Waiting for you. Make Halloween fun with one-stop shopping at Woolworth or Woolco for your Halloween needs. Costumes from $1.83 to $3.99, like Six Million Dollar Man, Bionic Woman, Superheroes, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, and a new favorite for girls, Holly Hobby. You can get wrapped candies of every kind, bubblegum, lollipops, fun-sized candy bars. Get this Halloween record, sounds to make you shiver just $1.89. Make Halloween fun and easy. Make just one stop at Woolworth or Woolco. Well, Halloween is a major moneymaker, but all of this overconsumption has had a very bad impact on the environment, and it uses up a lot of resources, just like fast fashion, mm-hmm. you know, for one. A vast majority, like 99.9999999999% of these <laughs> costumes are made of low-quality synthetic fabrics that are not biodegradable. There's a lot of plastic and packaging and trims involved. And yeah. these costumes are almost always such low quality that they can bear, they can rarely be reused. Like if you buy one of these costumes and the zipper survives one party, it's a, it's a miracle. Yeah, and I I was thinking about this because we for a moment there when I was a young kid we would buy our Halloween costumes from Kmart, mm-hmm. and they were not good quality even back then. So I no. I think Halloween costumes have been one of those things. It's not like quality has diminished over time, although it they probably have a little bit, but they were always kind of crappy. Um, I remember. The one costume that we were able to pass down from my my sister had worn it first and then I wore it was the polyester jester. Um, <laughs> that was the name of the costume. Um, it was black and purple and it came with a jester top, you know, kind of mm-hmm. whatever Harlequin type type deal. And then the hat. And I remember I remember having my dad sew bells onto the hat because I thought it needed bells for some reason. It didn't. It was just like the hat. So we did judge it up from time to time. Um, The other costume I remember getting from Kmart was an angel costume. I was so – I think that year my parents had wanted me to wear one of my sister's costumes again, and I was like, no, I want my own costume. Like, I don't know, probably being a brat – so it, it was really late in the season. I think it was like maybe a week or two before Halloween. So we went into Kmart and like all the costumes were basically gone and there was an mm-hmm. angel costume. So we bought this angel costume and it was so lame. It was just like a, a white kind of cloak thing. And then it came with this silver belt that like tied in the back <laughs> And then it came with like a halo that was essentially like a a tinsel 
like a uh, pipe cleaner essentially. Oh my gosh, so. I can picture this costume. <laughs> I mean, yeah. our, we, you know, we were a Kmart family. I definitely saw these costumes. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and, and the thing is like, I mean, I had to, I've talked to my mom about this before and she had told me that like when we were kids, costumes were cheap. Like they, like they were low quality, but they also just weren't expensive because parents yeah. weren't willing to pay a lot of money for it. But sometime in this century, costumes got a lot more expensive, but they were yes. still the same low quality. And so it makes it even more frustrating. Like I remember Dylan being, you know, in like first or second grade and really, really wanting to go to Spirit of Halloween. And I mean, you know, I'm like, I love Halloween. Sure, let's go. And even the kids' costumes were so egregiously expensive. It was like, okay, you want to be – it was always like some sort of Disney princess scenario every time. And it's like – we're going to spend 75 to $100 for this costume and it's straight garbage already. Like it's it's not going to last. It it feels like it's made out of like the worst fabric money can buy. Um, yep. You know, it's already falling apart and getting snagged even in the store. And I think, I think that that is, that is one thing that has made it even more frustrating is that nothing got better. And if anything, the quality did kind of get worse because they tried harder to make things more – Fan, like more elaborate, have more trim, yeah. more make in them, but keep the margin really high. And yeah, it just got what, worse. What do you think the margin is on those things? Because they do retail for a lot of money and they're all really shitty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I still, when I do go into those stores, even though I would never buy one of those costumes, I still like look at them, especially the ones that like I would potentially buy. Like if I, if I wanted to, to buy one, I would, I look at those costumes and you can take them out of the packaging and they're just, they're so terrible. It's so sad. They're so terrible. I mean, like just unfinished hems, bad sewing, loose threads. If they have a zipper, it's already half broken. Like yeah. just everything about it. I mean, you can tell they're sewn as fast as possible and as cheaply as possible. And I am assuming mm-hmm. that's why Party City bought their own factory because they were like, we need to cut the costs even more, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sure that's what they did. I would say, so here's here's my speculation on the profitability of Halloween costumes based on my experience as a buyer, right? I would assume that any Halloween costume that is bought at full price is probably an 80, 85% margin, which is very, very high. That's kind of this, that's a fast fashion margin, right? And I would say that it's really high. It may even be higher, honestly, because it's such a seasonal product category. When you have a short window to sell something, you have to make it as profitable as possible because especially like, a place like Target or Walmart that isn't a pop-up but has to get this product out so they can move the Christmas trees in, they are going to sell whatever's left over uh, clearance, and it's going to be really aggressive. It's like the day after Halloween, it's going to be 50% off, and two days later, it's going to be 75 right? So they have to ensure that they're making the maximum amount of profit on everything that's sold full price to compensate for all of the loss they're going to take when they have to mark down the rest of it. Yeah, and no, that's absolutely. that same thing goes for Valentine's Day candy, you know, mm-hmm. Easter baskets, all of that stuff. Like it's highly profitable at full price. 
to compensate for the seasonality of it. So yeah, I'm sure that they're taking a massive markup on these costumes. I mean, so it just makes their their crappiness even more noticeable. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah. people still buy them because they're there, and especially if it's like a costume where you're like, "Oh, that's so cool!" Like for whatever reason, if the costume really speaks to you, and you see it in a store, and you you know you have a party to go to, you're probably going to buy it. Um, you know, if, if you're not inclined to make things yourself. So uh, I, I definitely see it as something that people, just the general population is going to buy it regardless. So they can kind of do what they want with them. Right. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, we need to, you know, we need to debunk this belief. We need to cancel it. They believe that these costumes are disposable because, like, they're not nice quality. You can see it on the hanger, right? You're like, this is like yeah. a weird sheet of plastic that is technically fabric. You know, like, it's – I'm not going to be wearing this costume for generations, you know? <laughs> like, this is, this is like – this is a – they people think it's disposable. Like, if I get one or even two wears out of it, I can throw it in the trash afterwards. You know, it's like no big yeah. deal. Um, and we know that that's just not true, that you might wear that costume once – it's going to live in the landfill for centuries, you know? Forever. Forever, yeah. If you want to um, talk about something scary, that's <laughs> what's scary about Halloween. Super scary. I will tell you, the scary thing about Halloween is all the waste and all the stuff that gets sent to landfills. And we have tons of scary facts about that for all of you. I also will just remind you that the same issues of exploitation and abuse that haunt fast fashion also haunt – fast Halloween. Yep. People who make these costumes are not being paid a living wage. They're working under terrible conditions. I'm sure they're racing the clock because if a Halloween costume delivery is even one day late, that's one day of sales that company missed in a mm-hmm. very short selling period. So the pressure is on. Yeah. I can imagine that seasonal goods like that, you know, obviously when you're in retail and you're like, okay, we we have a planned delivery for the first week of August. You want some back to school fashion in there. But if it's late a week, like obviously it's not great, but you'll be able to recover from it. But if you're late on something that's seasonal, you really are missing out on a lot of money. So I could see there being a lot of chargebacks, a lot of unpaid bills in that department because if anything's mm-hmm. late, the retailer's probably like, I'm sorry, we can't take it. Oh, absolutely. And chargebacks are a good call out here because basically it's like a fine that the retailer uh, imposes on the factory. So like maybe the invoice for the PO was going to be $100,000 and they're like, sorry, it was late. We were taking a 10% discount. We're going to pay you $10,000 less. That money comes directly out of the pockets of the workers. Like mm-hmm. no, no doubt. Yep. Um. Yeah. I mean, this it's – it's a gross, it's a gross industry, unfortunately. But yeah. that's why we're talking about it because Halloween is <laughs> rad. So we're gonna separate ourselves from that industry, right? We're gonna learn today and then we're gonna make Halloween better than ever. Yes. So absolutely. The the waste around Halloween will make you sick, right? Um, yeah. it's, it's it's pretty sad. Um you know, there's definitely a lot of money involved as we've talked. Like, I know you're not a big costume person, but, you know, between candy and maybe a few things here and there, maybe some decorations, how much money would you spend uh, in like a normal non-COVID year on Halloween? It's hard to say because I'm that person who buys candy and gives it to everyone I see, you know? (laughs) 
Um, I go out, I decorate, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I can't even imagine some of the bar tabs I've had on Halloween. God, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> but you know, like it's a big fun holiday for adults and children alike. And mm-hmm. then when Dylan was at the age where they were really into Halloween too, it was like, oh my goodness, we just spent a hundred dollars on the costume and then mm-hmm. we got to make treats for school and you know. Can't we trick or treating candy and we want to decorate? So Halloween is as maximally fun for Dylan as it is for me, you know. And so <laughs> it gets really, really expensive. I mean, I would yeah. say a hundred dollars. Yeah, that sounds about right. If you don't have any kids, but you still celebrate Halloween. Yeah, well, I am definitely guilty of spending way more than that every year as someone <laughs> who doesn't have children. Um so a lot of our, both between my husband and I, the the budget gets killed on um, the materials that we buy to build mm-hmm. our costumes. Um, you know, I always try to get the most cost effective fabric, but we also have this problem where we need it to be as accurate as possible, which is where like the near divorces <laughs> have happened. Oh. Um so oftentimes, like we just went on our our annual fabric buying trip um, downtown uh, last week, and the the oh my god, it's the perfect fabric for his costume. But the fabric that my husband got for his costume, I think it was like fifteen dollars a yard, <laughs> like, which is like it's pretty expensive, guys. Um, if you haven't been shopping for fabric in, in downtown Los Angeles. You can buy fabric for a dollar a yard, 99 cents a yard. Um, and that's usually where mine falls in. But this year I too bought expensive fabric. So um, yeah, I think we're already at least with fabric alone, probably $150 between fabric and trims. Um and then that's not counting any of the decorations we might buy. We have more decorations for Halloween than Christmas, hands down. We have so many boxes <laughs> of Halloween decorations. So if you keep your decorations and you buy nice ones, I like buying like more like, especially for the inside of the house, like decor, you know, just like spooky decor things where you put like a really fancy ornate skull on a shelf, you know, just like to catch your eye and just let you know that it is indeed October. So yeah, I love yeah. those little things. And then like, you know, for outdoors, there's a lot of things you can do. We'll we'll talk about that later. But I definitely get suckered into buying some decorations every year to add to the mix because there's always like one room where you're like, okay, we need something more for here. So um, I'm definitely one of those people that, that drops a lot of money. And I know this is a really old statistic, so it's probably much more nowadays. Um, but in 2014, the U.S. planned to spend $7.4 billion on Halloween between costumes, decorations, candy, and other holiday merchandise. Um, wow. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of money. It's a big chunk of retail. Um, and also the pet costume industry – was about to claim $350 million as well. And if you want to talk about markup, pet Halloween costumes have an enormous markup. (laughs) And they're all (laughs) shitty. None of them fit right. (laughs) Like, it is the worst investment you can make. They're adorable. Trust me. I love seeing animals dressed up as ridiculous things just as much as the next person. However, I have rarely 
bought or seeing a Halloween costume for a pet that fits and you know isn't going to just be thrown out because most <laughs> of them are just they're just not good. So yeah, yeah, they're gross. If someone knows of like a great pet Halloween costume company, I would be more than happy to to put my dollars towards that because last year the the costume that I bought Avery, our dog, um, was like a Star Wars costume and it was like a Tauntaun and the thing kept, it just, it didn't work. It, I took a few pictures and it looked great for the photos, but it was not functional <laughs> at all. And it came off, uh, right after the photos were taken. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Very, anyway. very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You have so much hope, but then it's a letdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are also people out there that have my dream job, which is a Halloween costume consultant. How did I okay, not yeah. know that this was a thing that existed? <laughs> it sounds like, amazing. What? <laughs> um, yeah. If you would ask me as a child what I wanted to be, if you offer this up as, a, as an option, I would have said absolutely. Um, these people – can ask between $500 and $600 per costume. And I'd say, like, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some ones that, like, make very elaborate costumes that cost thousands of dollars. I I wouldn't be surprised. Um, But I'm sure if you deal with, like, celebrity clientele, um, you could definitely rack up a good business making Halloween costumes. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know? And it's like – They'll all be like one of a kind. So if you're worried about someone else having the same polyester jester costume as you, if you could go with a costume consultant, you can definitely avoid that stigma. Um, I I hope you could still buy a polyester jester. I'll have to Google it later. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. So the polyester that's used in costumes like that obviously is extremely wasteful. We know from listening to Clothes Horse how terrible polyester is because it is plastic, y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that there is an equivalent of 83 million plastic bottles in throwaway outfits sold by leading retailers. Okay? 83 million plastic bottles. I... <sighs> I have a hard time like conceptualizing visual things, but I think I can understand what 83 million plastic bottles looks like. And it makes me very upset. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not something you want out there in the world. Um, also, 7 million outfits are thrown away each year and only a tiny portion are recycled, which I don't even know how you recycle a Halloween costume, but um, good for you if you figure that part out. Uh, but not surprising that that most of them get thrown away, and that's um, and that's in the UK. So I'm trying yeah. to. So the UK has about let's say, give or take a little bit, twenty percent the population of the United States. So yeah. if the UK is throwing out seven million outfits, costumes every year, then theoretically we're probably here in the United States throwing out about thirty five million Ugh. every yeah. year. I mean that. Honestly, I almost am like that number's too low. When I just yeah. think about like I would love to know how many costumes Walmart and Target and you know all of the discount stores, the drug stores, the sell it, Party City, Spirit of Halloween, all those places, how many costumes are they selling each year? Because 
you know that a vast majority of those get tossed. Maybe not the yeah. same year, but definitely the next year. Definitely. And I mean, I, I would say, especially college students, you know, mm. if you think of like the traditional four-year college attendee, they're probably buying a lot of those costumes and then getting, you know, four loco spilled on them and then throwing them out. Um, so I don't know I if say- college students drink four loco anymore, do they? <laughs> Did I just date myself? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> if you're illegal? a college student, can you tell us what you drink now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm out of the loop, guys. I'm out of the loop. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, some ghost shaped jello shots. I don't know. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, another crazy thing that I didn't even think of as far as waste is the food waste from Halloween. Oh. Yes. You know, which which made me very sad. There's once again, this information is also from the UK. There were a lot of articles from the UK and not very many from the United States, probably because we're in denial that we waste anything. <laughs> but um, this article says that uh, in one year, 15 million pumpkins were carved in the UK. 15 million pumpkins, none of which were eaten, obviously. Statistics suggest that if every carved pumpkin was eaten last year, the UK would generate enough food to create one bowl of soup for each person in the country. So, wow. guys, pumpkins are actually food. Um, it is a squash. Uh, so when you think about us just like taking food and destroying it for our own fun and good purposes, especially if you live here in Los Angeles, because anytime I've carved a pumpkin – it, because it's so warm here, it goes to waste like three days later. <laughs> you yeah. know, something that would take yeah. weeks in the Midwest happens overnight here. So you really, we are creating a lot of food waste um, from pumpkins alone. And that doesn't mm-hmm. even include candy, which obviously we know mm-hmm. is like the biggest part of of Halloween is the candy. Um, just general candy. Like you can just think of like the wrappers and all of the containers and then the bags of the candy itself comes in. There's already like a ton of plastic right there. Um, mm-hmm. And then on top of that, climate change has had a big impact on cocoa farmers because obviously there's a big uptick in demand for chocolate for, you know, all of the delicious candy bars that you can get. Um Rising temperatures and changes to rainfall patterns could lead to areas in West Africa, which produces around 70% of all global cocoa, becoming unsuitable for production by 2030. That is I mean, horrifying to think That is of. horrifying. And a majority of chocolate products have forced labor in their supply chain. Yeah. Um, there are only a few chocolate brands like Tony's Chocanelli is one of them that guarantee that there's no forced labor in their supply chain. I mean, not that we're trying to make you feel guilty about eating a Kit Kat because like real talk, Kit Kat is delicious. But I think it's just really important to remember, like honor everything that goes into all of these things that Mm -hmm. we consume, whether it is the crappy costume or the Kit Kat bar or the pumpkin. Like how crazy is it to say out loud that we grow food just for decorative purposes and not for eating. (laughs) Because I can tell you as someone who has a garden, 
growing food is hard work it's and hard. then to just not eat it while so many people are hungry or food insecure. I mean, I just oh, it's so appalling. Um I am that person. I don't carve pumpkins very often because of this, but when I do, I scoop out the guts, I roast all the seeds, I mm-hmm. use the other stuff for other recipes and whatnot. The seeds are the best part. They're I love so good. Oh, so good. Yeah. Wash them off, coat them in oil, salt them, put them in the oven. So delicious. So delicious. I really want some pumpkin seeds right now. now I know. Me too. (laughs) I'm going to sound like a giant nerd here, um, which I feel like is a safe space for. But um, I have a book. I actually need to finish it. And I don't think I ever finished it. But I got a book from my old boss. It's called Pumpkin. And okay. it's all about the history of the pumpkin, essentially. Ooh. And pumpkins being that they are squash. So squash and pumpkins um, were responsible for essentially the United States existing because the first people to come over from Europe um, subsisted on squash and gourds and things of that nature. Obviously, thankful to our lovely original native american people who instructed us on how to grow these and oftentimes unfortunately the settlers would rob those native americans of the squash that they had grown themselves of course classic you know kind of like we're really good at that stuff um but basically that there would have been a massive famine and people wouldn't have had anything to eat had there not been the pumpkin so we have a lot to attribute to the pumpkin Wow. Yeah, you know, uh, just humble brag here. Um, For a while, I thought maybe pumpkins were growing in the mulch pile by our garage, but I was sort of laughing about it. Like I was seeing the blossoms, but I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. they're not really pumpkins. They just look like it. And then the other day I went over there and there was a massive, massive, like probably like, I don't know, six, seven pounds. uh, like I, f- I forget what they're called, like crooked neck pumpkin had grown uh, just oh, by my yeah. garage in the mulch pile. So I'm going to have to do something with that. I'm going to roast that guy this week. And then I was like, I can't believe I grew pumpkins by accident. That's and, amazing. Uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't planted any because I was like, we don't have a need for them. Like like one pumpkin is a lot to feed two people. Uh, so yeah. it, just, it seemed like a better use for me to like grow some kale and cabbage and stuff. And uh, then I was walking around our yard and I walked over by our huge propane tank, which is how we heat our house. And there are white pumpkins growing over there, just like oh, on their wow. own. Yeah. That's amazing. I know. I know. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with them, but it's, it's, I mean, it feels, gosh, growing things is so magical. That's why it's sad mm-hmm. to think of just growing things to sit on your porch until they rot, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. And yeah. pumpkins are actually one of those things, pumpkins and squash, one of the reasons why um, it was easy to get them and easy to grow them is they are very hardy plants and they don't require a ton of care. Obviously, they're just kind of growing on their own in your yard. <laughs> yeah. So if you feel like you you don't have a green thumb, um, but maybe you want to try to grow some squash or some pumpkins because they're, they're pretty easy to grow. Same thing with lettuces as well. Those are generally mm-hmm. easy to do. Um, you know, we, we tried growing corn earlier this year and that just did not, I don't think the California climate is suitable for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it got yeah. fried in the sun. Um, so yeah. no surprise there. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely recommend doing that stuff. Growing stuff is amazing. And I think, well, that's another thing is like, maybe, maybe we change food packaging and clothing packaging to like have information on it. Much like, you know, like on a pack of cigarettes, they can show you how, what your lungs <laughs> are going to look like if you smoke. Like maybe we should like show the people who've grown it, show the people that have made your product so that you can actually have a connection that like, oh, wow, someone actually did this themselves. Um, yeah. Because I think that's like what's missing is we're so far removed these days from manufacturing and and making things because it we're just on this in this on demand society. So if we can help connect the population back to how things are made and how you how hard it is to grow food, um, perhaps we would be a little bit better with with the world and be more responsible. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I did a series of Instagram posts that were basically like, what if um, clothing labels told the truth? And <laughs> I I think like, you know, if what if you bought your, I, I don't know, sexy hamburger costume at Spirit of Halloween and it said like, hey, just so you know, um, well, the people who made this costume were paid pennies to make it. And, you know, it's not going to hold up for more than two wears, but it is going to live in the landfill, you know, for the rest of time pretty much and, you know, leach chemicals into the water and the air and break down into microplastics that will blow into the water supply. Anyway, no big deal. Happy Halloween. <laughs> like, <you know>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I do feel like when I say stuff like that, like I'm never going to get invited to a party ever again. Like everybody's <laughs> like, oh God, Amanda's here. Quick. Yeah. Hide everything. Hide Debbie everything. Debbie Downer. <laughs> Debbie Downer's here. But I really believe that, you know, it's 2021. We've all been through a lot. We continue to go through a lot. And this is a great time for us to say, here are the things that in life that bring us joy, like Halloween. Let's reclaim Halloween and do it in a better way that actually is going to result in not only mitigating our, our impact on the world and its people, but also challenge us create creatively and actually kind of like make us have a better Halloween. Yes. Halloween's coming. What are you going to do about it? Whether you do a little or a lot, be an original this Halloween and find yourself at Hallmark. Hallmark has a way. And at participating Hallmark stores, get your hands on the spooky sounds tape. Full of creepy sounds and Halloween theme songs. $1.95 with any $5 Hallmark purchase. Only at participating Hallmark stores. It's a scream. The Halloween experts at Magic Manor have everything you'll need this year, including actual character masks from famous motion pictures. And they can show you the proper application of makeup to impress that special someone. Magic Manor's professional hand-painted custom masks start as low as $2.50. This Halloween, remember Magic Manor. Wigs, masks, makeup, costumes, shockingly authentic. Magic Manor, East Wind Mall. We have some tips for you. We worked on a list. We're going to share some of our ideas. Um, first off, let's talk about costumes because they're a big deal. You know, like you can follow my strategy and wear the same costume every year, have it be a signature costume. I have reached a point where I've been the Hamburglar so many times. 
that people send me photos of hamburger <laughs> paraphernalia all the time. Like that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can that can be your thing. Like I my friend Zach always made the best costumes. And one year he made this amazing costume where he was a storm cloud. It made me think of of your your oh, yeah. uh, dad's coworker. Um, and it's like a floofy headpiece that is a big you know, storm cloud and it's got lightning and rain and it's really, really cool. And he wore that every year. He still wears it. It's amazing. And when I think of like that costume, I think of him and it, it's a great, can be part of your personal brand. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Another idea that I'd thrown out there that I've never actually done this, but I remember my mom doing this sometimes when she had to go to adult Halloween parties when I was a kid is she would rent a costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can still do that. Um, you're going to be kind of limited. Maybe, you know, it's not going to be the costume from a meme you saw last week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it'll probably be fancier. Yes, definitely. I think you can find some really amazing costumes. And um, I mean, I remember there were places in Cleveland that did this. So you don't even have to be in a big city in order to find a place that you could rent a costume from. I'm sure. Nowadays, there are fewer than there were in the past, but um, you can definitely find some cool things. And then obviously, if you're here in Los Angeles, there are probably some amazing costume rental places that you can find. Um, So yeah, I think if you're going to like a really fancy party, it might be a good thing to look into. Yeah, I think so. If it's like a fancy thing, like go for it. You know, you don't have to worry about your zipper breaking halfway through because you bought it for $75 at Spirit of Halloween. Exactly. And I, Gosh, I have to imagine like so much. they would make minor alterations maybe. I'm throwing it out there, you know, to fit different people, <laughs> right? I would assume yeah, so, yeah. right? So Yeah, yeah. They must have something, I'm, sh- I'm sure. I mean, it costs money, yeah, you know, but real talk, buying a costume costs money. Yes. Even a crappy costume. And then you also have the burden of like – having that crappy costume. Yes. You know, that you're never going to wear again. So this is nice. You're like done with it, right? I also am going to add that thrift stores are an amazing resource for elements for costumes, whether it is like fabric, garments you're going to repurpose, et cetera. But I want to throw this out there with a caveat that more and more thrift stores are just straight up selling brand Mm -hmm. new costumes right now. Um, When I think of that, when I say that, the first place that comes to mind is Value Village, which like we would go to Value Village in Portland at this time of year and there would be aisles of brand new costumes wow. still in the bag. Mixed in with some like secondhand stuff, but in yeah. most of it, in general, most of it was brand new. And I feel like that's kind of deceptive and confusing for customers. Yeah. You know, it feels scammy to me. So and these are the same crappy costumes that you would buy somewhere else. Yeah. Like they're not better or anything like that. So you know, I do – I did actually buy a new in-bag, but like to- – or at least seemed pretty new. It was in the original bag, but it's totally from the 80s. It's it's kind of a jester costume at the <laughs> thrift store last week. Um, it was $3, and it's made of like neon and purple velvet. Amazing. Uh, I'm not sure. We were like, we need to buy it. We don't know what we're going to do with it. That was – me and Dustin were like, maybe we're going to get wear costumes all weekend long. And, you know, now I can be a jester one day or something. It's a really weird costume. I might cut it up and use it for something else. Yeah. But, you know, that was still in the bag, but it was clearly either worn before or bought by someone who never wore it a long time ago when a neon jester costume was in demand. 
<laughs> it's no polyester jester, uh, but uh, you know, is. it's. I think it's actually. I think it says it's a Harlequin costume on the package. It's the same thing. Anyway, yeah. um, just just be aware of that. Like, just because you bought it at the thrift store doesn't mean it's secondhand. Yes. If it's in the bag, it's probably not. I I saw the same thing myself. I did some thrifting last week, and there were a lot of costumes in packages, which I feel like. If you're buying a costume, most of the time you just discard the packaging when you're done with it, like to Mm -hmm. wear it. Like I don't ever Mm -hmm. remember keeping the packaging. So one would assume that if it's still in its package, either someone was very thoughtful and just put it back in and donated it or it was (laughs) never worn from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, that's – which is – yeah, I intend – I mean, sometimes maybe people go and buy this stuff on clearance. They're like, I'm going to wear it next year and then they change their mind. I don't know. I'm not sure. But, yeah, just be mindful of that. Um, Another idea that Meredith and I had was that you could borrow costumes from a friend, like especially if you have a friend like Meredith (laughs) who has all these great costumes. That's right. right. I mean, (laughs) a lot of them um, definitely smell because uh, I sweat in them for hours and hours. But I can clean them up for you. I'll throw some Febreze on there. Um, But, yeah, ask around. Like your friends have plenty of costumes and honestly, like – Especially if your friend wore it like two years ago, no one's going to remember. So just borrow it. I mean, just ask around. You might have a Halloween freak in your life and they would be more than happy to help you out with a costume. Create a communal costume closet with your friends. Not It doesn't have to be a literal closet. Just the knowledge that you can share pieces with one another. Yeah. I think that sounds fun. I'm, I mean, I can't have that right now because I don't have any friends where I live, but I would be happy to loan out my Hamburglar getup, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could do a lot of things, maybe even bringing together multiple costumes. You can make a new costume from it. So you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You actually had a really good idea. We were texting to – <laughs> take all of your regrettable trendy clothing that you'd bought yes. that you won't wear anymore and wear it all together oh yeah if you haven't done a deep clean of your closet recently please go into it you know in fact i did see a um 2000s costume for sale like brand new like a like a kind of like a celebutante costume. So you know you have that stuff in your closet. Don't buy that. You can easily make that yourself. Ghosts of Hol- Ghosts of Trends Past would be a great Halloween costume. <laughs> yes, I I love I love that. <laughs> um the next thing you can do is make your costume yourself. Absolutely. I feel like at the very least, right, you're getting something that's going to last longer that you'd want to share with other people. You just have a and lot more pride when you make something yourself. You're like, yeah, like even if it's something simple, you know, even if it's just the most basic costume, if you can say like you put it together yourself, people are going to respect that way more than something that was bought off a shelf. Yeah. Yeah. See, you know, make it. I mean, yes, you're still going to be consuming stuff, but like honestly, it's going to be better you're going to share it. You're going to use it longer. It's just it's just going to be better across the board. And you're the one not getting paid to sew it, not someone else. There you go. Also, like you can look around you and see if there's anything that you can repurpose in your own closet 
or you can use stuff that you already have, whether it be like empty toilet paper rolls or, you know, things like that. Like you can get really creative. So sometimes it's just sitting down with what you actually have. You don't have to go crazy like me and buy $15 yard fabric. You can <laughs> look at your closet, maybe look at your donation pile. Maybe you have gone through your closet recently and you can cut something up or sew something together. There's so many opportunities. You just have to get a little creative. And I feel like today we just ignore creativity because no one is bored. You can just jump on your phone and entertain yourself. And I feel like so much of my creativity, especially as a child, came from absolute boredom. Um, So maybe shut off your technology for the day, sit down with all the stuff you have in your house and figure something out. I bet you're going to come up with something amazing. Absolutely. And that's kind of like the fun of it all, right? Absolutely. I'm really excited to see what people can make from the things just around their house. It sounds like a Project Runway challenge, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. It is. It was. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. You, you can do something amazing. So the, the answers are right under your fingertips. Totally. Totally. And way more fun and more satisfying and give you more bragging rights. Yeah. Um, so the other thing about Halloween is the makeup. Um, I don't know. Do you have you ever do you do a lot of makeup with your costumes? No, I try to avoid that honestly because in life in general, I'm not a makeup person. So I I know so little about putting on makeup and doing it well that um, I've never had any costume that has involved a lot of makeup, but my husband has. And I always give him the disclaimer that I cannot help him with that, that it's (laughs) the ball is in his court essentially at that time. But um, luckily we would always go to the, um, I think it's called Hollywood Toys on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, It's like a costume shop, but it also, you can buy like magic stuff. It has a wig store inside the store. Mm -hmm. It's like a very classic old school Hollywood retail establishment and it's right there I think is at like Hollywood and Cherokee and they do have a makeup counter there so anytime Mm -hmm. that he's needed makeup for his costume he's basically gone there and said this is what I need to do and then they help him out and help uh, direct him in the right way but uh, generally if you like a makeup heavy costume it's a lot of work okay you're going to spend a lot of time prepping for your event so mm-hmm. just know that you can do amazing things there one girl Alex that I used to work with she always had amazing makeup with her costumes like amazing she did such a great job um and it definitely tied the costume together and made it even better but it would take her a very long time to get ready. So just keep that in mind. It could be an amazing addition to your costume, but it is very labor intensive. It's true. It's really stressful because all night you're like, am I smearing it? What if it rains? What if I rub up against something or someone or get it on your clothes? Also, there are a lot of concerns about about the safety a lot of a lot of the like Halloween makeup palettes mm-hmm. that you can buy at these Halloween stores or you know anywhere really sells them at this time of year um, because 
in some cases, they're not subject to the same testing. And so they can be really irritating and in some cases even toxic for people. I'm not fear-mongering here. Like, yeah. read the packaging. Make sure it, like, you know, has been tested and approved in the right ways. But there are scary stories on the internet about some of these makeups t- containing uh, chemicals and compounds that are really harmful for humans. I'm sure – they're mostly harmful if you wear them all the time. I n- maybe not just one day in a year. But the other thing is, like, they just come in a lot of packaging that's wasteful and they kind of suck. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just like not nice and it's like disposable, except for how it's not really disposable, but, you know, it doesn't have longevity. And so I was wondering if people could make their own Halloween makeup. Like, if you have something that requires a lot of color on your face in one way or another. Um, like maybe you wanted a green face because you want to be the witch from the Wizard of Oz or something like that. Like I get it. You kind of got to have the green face, right? Right. So I was looking and apparently you can make your own Halloween makeup. I have not done this. I will share a link in the show notes. But basically you make a base that's white out of cornstarch, like solid shortening, like Crisco basically. And then you mix all that up and then you add food color to get different colors. Oh, my God. And then you can apply it to your face using your fingers, you know, cotton swabs, makeup sponges, whatever you're trying to do. I would um, not trust myself to do that, but I'm sure if you are well-versed <laughs> in that world, you could do an amazing job. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I would just say also, too, like, if you have kids, maybe they can use some of your regular makeup. Like, you can put mm-hmm. it on them. Like, yeah. I mean, there's no need to go buy special makeup for this. And I do remember my brother and I having a couple costumes when we were kids that involved face paint. I cannot remember at all what they were. But I know my brother always wanted to be really scary <laughs> and really bloody. Yeah. Um, and the makeup that my mom would buy, those same palettes that you can buy right now that are just for Halloween. And you know what? They kind of sucked. Yeah. They never look good. And they came right off. And they made his face all itchy. So – Maybe this is another option. <laughs> uh, okay. The thing about costumes is what should you do with them when you're done? What you should not do is put them in the trash. No. I mean, <laughs> unless they're like completely, completely destroyed, then obviously there's only one place, unfortunately, for them to go. But mm-hmm. if it's relatively intact, you definitely have some options. Yeah, you could – well, for one, you could hold on to them or share them with someone else. Um, you could donate them to a thrift store. Once again, don't do that if they're soaked in beer or have bodily fluids <laughs> on them. Um, yeah. Think about what you would be willing to buy and wear secondhand and make the choice that way. Um, you also had some really good ideas that you found online, Meredith, for rehoming your costumes that were kind of outside the box. Absolutely. There's definitely some places that could take them, and one of them could be like a local theater group. You know, there's always lots of small productions that are happening, and even if your costume's kind of off the wall, you have no idea what they could potentially use it for. Um, There's also Mm -hmm. like, you know – think about breaking your costume down. There's often multiple pieces to it. So one piece might work out perfectly for a production. Um, Same likewise would be like a high school theater group as well. Um, I'm sure that would be awesome. Um, And they would take whatever you would give them. Additionally, you can look into children's hospitals. 
So a lot of kids like to play dress up and have fun little events. I mean, even maybe like a, a daycare would take them as well. Um, I always remember having a costume box and being able to take things out of it and play with it. And it was a lot of fun. So figuring out some kind of organization that could take it, you know, obviously they don't want your sexy nurse costume, but if you have something a little bit more wholesome that a child would love to don on, even if it's way too big for them, I'm sure they would gladly accept that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. You know, and I think also there is something to be said for like holding on to it because the materials that you used could be reused for something else. Like one year's Marie Antoinette could be next year's Jolly Green Giant with just some green food coloring, a little bit more. But you know, <laughs> no, for sure. Actually, um, the so when I was Ruby Rod, I made my costume out of you know four way stretch leopard print fabric. And uh, part of it was, a, you know, I made a pair of pants and then I made the jacket. And a few years ago, my husband was Tommy Lee uh, for Halloween. <laughs> and so he wore the leopard print leggings as part of his costume. Um, until there you go. Until he stripped down to his uh, black studded thong, uh, which he then wore the Whoa. rest of the evening. Um, Dang. We, you know, we really, we commit to character. It's a big part of, uh, of our ethos. <laughs> Um, but, you know, that's another example of how it was one costume and then you use it for something else. I mean, the leggings actually turned out really well. I could wear them anywhere. Um, so there's a lot of pieces. And actually, I am, you know, I won't reveal until obviously Halloween for our Instagram live. But um, part of my costume that I made this year, um, which I'm about like halfway done with at this point, um, I can definitely wear somewhere else. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. It's actually a functional piece that I can put in my wardrobe and, and wear in the real world. So um, hopefully I will not spill four logo on it. Because um, <laughs> you won't be at all those college parties. Uh, you know. <laughs> Rangers. But I do think like uh, for costumes, much like a lot anything else we buy or wear, is really thinking about the reusability in it, uh, whether it's directly wearing it again or turning it into something else in the future, like breaking up those materials and turning them into something else. Like that's just something to always be mindful of and be thinking about. I mean, you could have taken that leopard costume and turned it into a totally different garment to wear for like your birthday, Mm -hmm. you know, or your anniversary. And so don't don't look at whatever you made or bought to wear for Halloween as something that is just for Halloween and this specific Halloween. I think if you kind of break up, break those chains that link you to Halloween and this Halloween, you'll start to find yourself wasting less costumey stuff and also probably making better choices upfront for what you're going to buy or make or wear for Halloween. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now we're going to talk about decorations. Um, because decorations are a big part of the Halloween industrial complex. I mean, <laughs> not as much as Christmas. Let me tell you, the thrift stores out here where I live have a 365-day-a-year Christmas room oh in God. every single thrift store. Like, so <laughs> many Christmas decorations. They have a little bit of Halloween. But what I see is that a lot of people buy new decorations every year. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. We have to stop doing that. Yeah. For one, step number one, number one piece of advice here is 
save your Halloween decorations and use them next year. I mean, when I was a kid, you know, like for Christmas, for example, every year we'd pull out the tree and all of our ornaments. And maybe we'd get a couple new ornaments that year, but we would like reminisce about when we'd first gotten this ornament or that ornament, Mm -hmm. you know, like my mom was not a holiday person and she was also a very unsentimental person. So the only thing we ever hung on to in our house were holiday decorations. And so it was the only time I had a chance to be nostalgic with my family. And I, I love that practice as an adult. So like, well, I already know Meredith has like bins and bins of (laughs) Halloween decorations. So do I, you know, that I've thrifted over the years. There are some that I bought new and I pull them out every year. And I think it's kind of wild how many new decorations the industry is churning out and selling every year. But then I will see them at the thrift store next year. Like it's just, it's that cycle. Well, and I, I encourage people that if you do live in a small space and you don't have anywhere to store things, like just don't go crazy on the decorations. Like I refuse to buy a Christmas tree until we had a place to store that Christmas tree mm-hmm. after all these. Agreed. Yeah, my husband always wanted one and I was like, we have nowhere to put it in our apartment. So we didn't have one, you know, and it, it didn't kill it. We still had other decorations. We put lights up. So there are other ways you can do it and it might not be exactly what you want, but you can still celebrate it. But, you know, just be cognizant of like, hey, do I have the space to save this stuff? And if you don't, like, just don't do it. Yeah, and that's okay. You know, make something to hang on the wall. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of other options that are like minimally invasive and could easily be stored in like in a shoebox. So it also will help you be creative with the the things that you end up choosing to decorate with. Totally, totally. Um, Also, please, please, I know this is going to be bad news for so many people. Do not buy those fake spider webs. Yeah. Uh, for one, they're made of polyester, mm-hmm. aka plastic, so they last centuries, um, you know, in the landfill, but not in your life. And even worse, I was so sad to learn this, they are a death trap for birds and small animals yeah. who get caught in them, mm-hmm. and they can't get out because they're kind of sticky. Um, so just let don't use those. And you you had some ideas. You said that you – did you say your dad used to make spider webs out of ropes? Yeah. Did I dream that? No. Um, it seems like a dream because it was forever ago. But uh, <laughs> we had a nice big tree in the, in the front yard. And all of our decorations pretty much growing up were DIY. Um, my, my mom always wanted us to like – not decorate for Halloween and like do like a cornucopia harvest theme, which my dad and I just always scoffed at. We were like, no, it's Halloween. We're going to make it tacky and amazing. Um, so <laughs> I would like paint my own tombstones and we got them laminated so that they would like, oh, you know, last so through the weather. I painted like um, Minnie and Mickey Mouse because I'm obsessed with Disney um, in in costumes. <laughs> you know, I did a like a mm-hmm. Maid Marian and Robin Hood, and we got that laminated too. But in the front yard to like go full out, we put one of the Christmas spotlights that we had for you know Christmas decorations out in front of this tree, and my dad took just white rope and put a bunch of strands uh, attach it to like a stake and put that stake in the ground and then strung the the strands of rope up to the tree from the ground 
um, to and attach it to different branches. And then from there kind of created a spider web by putting other ropes horizontally across. I hope I'm doing a good job of describing this. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I can find like a visual somewhere. Um, but you can essentially build your own spider web, um, kind of make it a little bit abstract, if you will. Um, and then mm-hmm. if you wanted to like find a giant, large fake spider, you could throw it in there as well. But there, there are definitely other options to kind of get that spider web vibe without going with that um, polyester stuff. Yeah, I love that. And I think once again, half the fun is being resourceful and finding your own solution and then having the bragging rights when everybody's like, whoa, I can't believe you made that yourself. Yeah. And there are so many things you can make that are really easy and inexpensive. You can like, you know, make tombstones like Meredith was talking about. You can cut jack-o'-lanterns out of orange paper. We used to do this every year in school. Yeah. It was like a regular thing. You know, you like fold it in a certain way and then you cut it out. Anyway, you can draw on that. You can make signs. You can make ghosts. Yeah. There are so many things you can make at home. If you went to design school and you have a roll of muslin left over, which I'm sure most, most students do, you can easily make ghosts from the muslin. You just kind of cut rectangles out of it, put some stuffing in it, tie it, tie the head off, and use a sharpie and make eyes on it. It's just it's so easy, and it's it's but, yeah. it, but they're cute, you know, they're cute little things, and you can just yeah. hang them anywhere you want. So there are so many ways, and you know, we're talking about getting into the Halloween spirit despite everything that's going on in the world, having, you know, a weekend where maybe you do have a few friends over and you craft together and you make these things could be a lot of fun and it could definitely get you in the mood. Absolutely. I mean, for me, like, for example, during like the winter holidays in December, my favorite thing actually to do is bake cookies with other people because you feel like we're making this thing, we're doing it together and it's really festive and it's just like, listen, you know, listening to music Mm -hmm. and I I just, I, I love that. Uh, I feel like that's half the fun of holidays is working on fun stuff with people you love. So amazing idea to have people over to either make decorations or make Halloween treats. Absolutely. Um, Another thing you can do that I haven't mentioned, well, I touched on it, but I'm just going to reinforce this, is you can thrift so many decorations. Yes. (laughs) Like so many. Not just thrift stores, yard sales. Let me tell you, we went to yard sales last weekend. So many decorations for all the holidays. Uh Name a holiday. There are so many decorations out there. And then it gives you a chance to curate your own unique style. Like if you, for example, for me, I'm really into a vintage Halloween decoration vibe. So a lot of my decorations are, you know, for the most part older than me um, and definitely have a specific vibe. But you might be more into more modern stuff or things that make noise or light up. There's so much of that stuff at the thrift store and it's still functional. Yeah. Um, also, I'm just going to tell you, if you felt as though you need a special bowl that looks like a pumpkin or a cauldron to hand out candy, get thee to the thrift store because there are <laughs> so many of them yes. at every thrift store. No one needs to buy a new Halloween candy bowl ever. Nope. There's plenty right now. Um, and just to remind you, whether you made these co- these decorations, you thrifted them, or you bought them new – 
pack them away and use them again next year. It's fun to keep building your library of holiday decor. And it's nice to unpack them because you haven't seen them for a year mm-hmm. and it feels like a reunion. Absolutely. My my least favorite day is putting the Halloween decorations back in the box. It's always very bittersweet. <laughs> It is. It is. The last thing we wanted to talk about was treat bags, which we mentioned. There are good ways and bad ways to do treat bags. I mean, number one, please don't go out and buy a bunch of Ziplocs Mm-mm. or plastic bags. Just we, There's so many plastic bags already. We're just full of them. They're everywhere. Yeah, we don't need um, more. We don't need more. I would say use brown paper bags and you can draw all mm-hmm. over them or put stickers on them or stamp them yeah. or cut, cut little – like jack-o'-lantern faces on them. Whatever you want to do, it's your bag. That's right. It's like a blank canvas. There's so many options when you use a brown paper bag. Yeah. it's Brown paper bags are great. Craft paper, also another favorite. You can make it into anything you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't fill it with dumb plastic stuff. Listen, we all have a little special place in our hearts for those spider rings. <laughs> but the reality is there are times when I think – how many spider rings are in landfills around the world right now? <laughs> yes, and also um, plastic fangs. Um, Ugh, the yes. dentist on my block would never pass out candy. He would always pass out the fangs instead. Um, and it was always a big bummer. So I, I can't, I can't mess with those anymore because it just gives me bad memories. Like, just give me candy, man. Come on, I'm giving you business if I'm eating the candy, right? I mean, right, you're a right. dentist. You got you got some kind of uh, pawn in this game. We had a neighbor who always gave out boxes of raisins. Ugh, like, no. Just, so, like, ugh, my, like I would be like, I don't even want to go there. It's just raisins. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like nobody likes that neighbor, you mm-hmm. know. And I would I would think about it. Actually, the neighbor in our neighborhood who always gave out raisins, um she they didn't have any she and her husband didn't have any children. Well, or if they did, they were grown because they were older. They were like more grandparents age, you yeah. know. And uh my brother was about five and he had this neighbor next door whose name was literally Mikey and they were the same age and they would ride their big wheels up and down the sidewalk all day long and apparently it was very bothersome to the raisin lady. So I guess she yelled at them a few times for being loud. I mean, they were little (laughs) boys, right? Yeah. And at one point, (laughs) my brother and his friend decided they were going to get revenge. Oh, no. Uh, Once again, they're like in kindergarten. So it's not that bad. But uh, she and her husband left the house and they went, (laughs) the boys went over and they took her hose which was turned on and had like a spray nozzle on it. And they sprayed water in her window into her living room. (laughs) And then at some point they were like, oh no, they're going to know it was us because there'll be fingerprints. Uh, So they took the sprayer. Wow. And they, to take the evidence, you know, and they buried it in our backyard. Um, (laughs) Caught within 12 hours though. Uh, The neighbor showed up and was like, does the boy with the big wheel live here? I answered the door and I was like, oh, let me get my mom. Oh my God. And yeah, uh, she was like, I know uh, that they have the spray nozzle and it was $20. So if if they're not going to return it, we're going to need $20 from you. And, you know, my mom did not have an extra $20 and my brother was like, okay. And he takes her out in the yard and digs it out. Oh my <laughs> digs God. it up. I just, I, I, my favorite thing about the story is that 
your brother was scared of fingerprints and he was like in kindergarten. Like that's amazing. I I would be, as an adult, I would just be very impressed to be honest. I I think so too. I mean, once again, this woman was always yelling at him and giving us raisins and I'm not, I'm not victim blaming here, but it was just some water (laughs) in the living room. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, That's so good. Like she was like, you know, we're not going to pursue damages from the water. Wow. I remember hearing this and I was like, oh I was in God. like third grade or something. And I was like, this seems like really intense. Yes. Like, <laughs> I think she was just looking um, for some drama that wasn't necessarily there. Yeah. Yeah. Slow day, you know. <laughs> um. Well, that is – the a wrap on all of our Halloween tips. I know. Uh, But I want to hear from all of you. Like, I want to hear what you are doing. Send me pictures. Send me tips. We can share them on Instagram. I'd like to put together a guide of how to save Halloween uh, for Instagram. So send them my way. I'll be posting more about that on social media. But I want to remind you that Meredith and I will be doing a special Instagram live in our costumes. So spooky on <laughs> Halloween Day. Uh, that is October 31st. <laughs> it's a Sunday this year. Um, well, like I said, we'll be sharing some spooky stories of brands that went out of business, and we'll talk about some bad trends that are still haunting our closets. We'll also be doing a special drawing for some prizes Ooh. that I have. Um I'll be sharing more details about that on Instagram, but it does relate to assembling our better Halloween guide for Instagram. Um, and by participating in that, you will be entered into our drawing. And you know, I don't want to get you too excited, but I'm just going to say the prizes are fully intact vintage craft kits that I have collected on my thrifting and yard sale outings. Oh, wow. And they'll give you something fun to do when cold weather comes and we're at home. So exciting. I know. Fun. So we'll see you then. Um, Thank you so much, Meredith. This was, as always, a delight. Thank you, Amanda. I love Halloween and I'm so happy we saved it. I knew we could do it. We we did it. We did it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.